Welcome to this week's episode of Men of Integrity. My name is Cody Thrash. The Bible tells us, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. So let's talk about it. Hey, thanks for choosing uh, Men of Integrity, the podcast for men, as your uh, podcast enjoyment for today. Uh, if you've listened to our previous podcasts, it, it, we're going to talk, or we have been, and we are talking about men's issues, men's problems that men deal with on a regular basis. One of the main topics that we're on right now, right now, is is pornography. Um, whether we want to talk about it or not, it needs to be talked about, especially for Christian men. It's important that we discuss these things. Um, a lot of us grow up, and, 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 and no fault to our parents, it's because they don't really understand how to talk to us about it, because uh, again, they didn't deal with it like we dealt with it as as men in the 2004-2008 time range in, in, in that time, and we're not the only ones that struggled, but I, I'll explain. Well, we're 30-year-olds, uh, around the 30s and mid-30s are the first generation of of teenagers that dealt with pornography inside the home as far as internet pornography. Uh, before then, or maybe the older generations, the closer to 40s, if you were a teenager in your home, the pornography that you would have viewed most likely would have been from magazines or or maybe some, some VHS movies that you would have had to rent. Uh, you would have had to physically go to a location and, and buy those things. And even then, you had to be of age, and, and it was embarrassing, and some gas stations might have had some magazines hidden that you could have purchased, uh, but again, it was embarrassing, and it was very, it was, it was public, almost. But for the 30-year-olds, and everybody younger than that, um, were the first teenagers to go through at-home pornography use. It had never been available before that, and and there were no studies on it, obviously, because it was wasn't there. Um, and and so now, from from 2005 forward or so, uh, the years depending on when maybe you got a computer in the home and and dial up internet and things of that nature. Um, 2006 is when the uh, YouTube style porn sites began to arise. Uh, and they grew like wildfire. They they spread like wildfire. They they started with some of the ones, the popular ones that you probably heard of, uh, Pornhub, YouPorn, um, RedTube, and and probably many many more. Uh, I just kind of listed some of the ones that came to my mind. But uh, that was in 2006 when that began to happen. And so before that, uh, a study was done, just some general men's studies that 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 were being done and, and erectile dysfunction in 2002 was was in 2% of men under 40 2% uh, rather low and it was kind of had been consistent at that for the last 20 or 30 years and then all of a sudden in 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 2015 basically the same study was done and and the rates were staggering the the erectile dysfunction rates in men under 40 jumped from 2% to 30% in just this few short years, and it really has to do a lot with the with the advent of in in home pornography. You, you see, again, it, previous to that, most of it was static imagery. It was, you know, it was pictures. It was the centerfold. It was, 
things of that nature. But then, and then maybe you did get your hands on a movie from time to time. But even then, it wasn't like internet pornography. And I'm going to explain as we go along. But internet pornography is so much more. Uh, you can get whatever you want. Um, and even then, think about 2005. If you remember, I, I don't know. I had a program called LimeWire. A, down, a torrent downloading site, and there were probably some more that you you might have used. And, and and the deal was is you would search and you would find and you would download the video, and it took forever. And then and then the video you had to risk opening when you opened it, you risked shutting your whole computer down with a virus. It was it was it was risky. It was so difficult to, until this point to 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 watch pornography. And then all of a sudden, again, it just got easy. And if you think about it today, the, the ease of use, well, Google Chrome, for example. Google Chrome has incognito built in, and, and its whole purpose is so that you can search a website, you can view things, and you can do things on the websites and, and on the Internet, and then at the click of the button, every bit of that's deleted as if you never did it. Well, that, that's exactly why that's there. So, so in over the last few years... A lot of studies have been done because men began to notice a correlation between regular porn use. And I don't necessarily want to call it addiction yet, but we'll just we'll discuss more about addiction as we go along. But men began to to, to realize that they were having some problems. And and some of them they began to correlate it between the use of pornography. And so some of those problems are were mild to chronic erectile dysfunction, uh, anorgasmia, which is essentially delayed ejaculation. It takes a long, long time. Uh, brain fog, concentration problems, uh, lethargy, lack of motivation, social anxiety, and a lack of confidence that comes with that. Depression, uh, emotional numbness. It's it's a it's a it's a big emotional thing when it comes to somebody who regularly watches pornography. Um, and then there was also the most, probably one of the scarier things to a man is declining interest in a real partner. That that's that's terrifying to think that okay, well, I'm, the pornography that I'm watching is causing me to to lose interest in my spouse. It's it's dangerous. Uh, and then there's another one that's that was noticed quite quickly. Uh, is is it's called escalation. And I'm going to do a whole podcast on escalation, but what it is, is it's it's simply when you started looking at porn, maybe as a young person, that you had a page out of a centerfold, and it was static imagery, and it was ra- rather simple, per se. It was, you know, maybe not as lewd as some of them. And then all of a sudden, years later, you find yourself on some very... Uh, disturbing types of pornography as far as the categories and some of those are are you know incest um, bestiality and, and and some pretty you know escalated topics and the deal is is that most men generally a young boy has no desire to watch anything of that nature and you know it's, that's not really just built in us but then because of our continued use the escalation it can cause a person to find themselves down a rabbit hole per se uh, of something that they never would have normally watched and this happens in a lot of scenarios if you think about drug use for example a drug the first time it's 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 maybe and again this is why they call marijuana a gateway drug it's because 
a person begins to smoke marijuana and it's awesome the first few times and before you know it it's uh, it's boring and we got to step up to something else if we want to keep getting keep getting high and it's not for everybody that's not the rule per se and then it, there are some people that maybe they can smoke marijuana their whole life and enjoy it every time and never escalate to anything else but that's generally generally not the case most of the time somebody's at least going to escalate some before they find themselves realizing that they're escalating and most you know, and again everybody's different everybody's reaction to addiction is a different and everybody's reaction to certain things are it's it's pretty personal so with with all of these these symptoms of regular porn use why does this happen what why do why are, are symptoms from porn use even showing up in the first place? Because isn't porn okay? Well, porn's not okay, and I'm going to give you a bunch of reasons why. But the reason why all of this begins to happen, or it's happening to you, if, if maybe you're dealing with this right now, it's, it's because of the brain's neuroplasticity. And what that means is that your brain has the ability to adapt and change to the stimuli that, that, it, it, that it receives. And, and basically it means that that things that are good, you'll, your brain will continue to want that. And things that are bad, your brain is going to decide, well, let's don't do that again. It, it has to do with what's called the reward circuit. Uh, and, and the reward circuit, it involves emotions such as, uh, you know, it involves, it involves our mood. It involves a lot of our emotions, most of them to be exact. It, it involves our desires and drives. It really has a lot to do with the way we love and the way we bond with others. And in, inherently, it, it has to do with addiction. Somebody who's addicted to something, they generally, it's, it's because of the neuroplasticity and the reward circuit that has told them that what they are addicted to or what they're using is good, regardless of if it's good or not. This circuit, naturally, the way it's supposed to work is to compel us toward good feelings and, and it's to, to, to direct us away from pain or bad feelings. Now, this reward circuit loves novelty. And by that, I mean it loves new things. Uh, anytime, so if, if you like, say, a grape, for example, you eat a grape and you taste the goodness of that grape and the juices flow and the sweetness and your brain is like, wow, this is really good. So you eat another grape and eat, and another grape and maybe three or four grapes or a handful of grapes. Sooner or later, you're like, okay, well, it's just a grape, right? But your brain is like, well, that was still really good. We just maybe need to find something that's better, right? And so you look in the refrigerator again or you go to the supermarket and there's a strawberry. And your brain's like, hey, that grape was good. I bet that strawberry is even better. And in reality, it may not be any better, but because it's new, because you haven't had it, you taste it and your your brain goes haywire. Oh, this is fantastic. This is this is a new thing. You, so the reward circuit deals a lot with novelty. Um, the main chemical involved in the reward circuit is a chemical called dopamine. And you've heard of it before. It's a it's called the craving chemical. Uh, you could think of it like this. I've got to have it whatever it is. Okay? It's not associated with with pleasure or or satisfaction. It's not really so, so let me put it this way. You, you eat something that tastes good and you feel satisfaction. That really doesn't have to do anything with dopamine. Dopamine is, is more in the waiting or in the getting the, the strawberry ready to eat. So you're holding the strawberry in your hand and you gotta, you got to get the little leaf system 
you know, in your hand correctly so that you can take a bite without eating one of the leaves. And this anticipation, this waiting, this getting ready to take this bite, even up to the bite itself, it, it it's what it's what's releasing dopamine. That's where dopamine is beginning to pour into your body. And then because of uh, dopamine, dopamine flows from the neuron to the receptor. And when it hits the receptor, something happens. And, and that's the release of an opioid in the brain, an opioid. And, 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 and that is where the satisfaction comes from. You're satisfied with the release of the, 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 the excuse me, the opioid. Now, the deal is, is that the dopamine is stronger than satisfaction. The, the anticipation of doing something is stronger than the satisfaction of doing it. And, and you've all noticed this if you've, if you've, if you're dealing with a porn issue, it's, it's all about the, the time up to, it's all about the, the, the watching and then, and then you finish and, and it's, that's whatever, right? So it's, it's the anticipation of the event coming that, that you really enjoy generally. Again, these are all just most men per se. Um, so let me, let me tell you about a rat, a study that a rat was done on a rat one time. And, and this intelligent little being, he was put into a, a cage and, and the deal was, is in this cage was, was his food and his water bowls. And, and then on the other side of the cage was a, a little, uh, basically like a, a little button that he could push and that button had a had a wire that was attached to the reward circuit or or to a place where it would activate the reward circuit of his brain it did nothing for him it didn't provide him any any actual satisfaction as far as it didn't feed him and it didn't give him any water well the rat would 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 hit the button so many times that he would essentially or would if they would have let him he would have caused himself to die of starvation and thirst uh, because he, he was able to self-stimulate himself um it happened multiple times and, and again they would have to literally take the rat out of the scenario for him to stop and so there's a lot of there's some some uh, there's some medicines out there that actually can block dopamine from from entering the, the system. And, and what that does is, is it literally provides or causes no stimulation. And with no stimulation, what happens is the subject that's, that's on this medication will not be motivated to do anything. They, ju they just won't. And, and it's funny that our mind, the way our mind is, is wired, again, when we were created, the Lord created us with, with a desire to, to procreate. It, he, he even blessed us and said, hey, you need to go out and multiply. You need to be fruitful. These, is, these are the commands that I'm giving you. And, and so he wires our brain to desire that command. We're, that's exactly the way he wanted it. And so again, we have to be careful about asking to take away something of that nature. And again, I'll explain that later as we go on. We're not talking about that right now. But so what I'm getting at is that sexual cues produce the highest amount of, of dopamine other than an, an, an unnatural stimulant. So you could you could take uh, cocaine or something like that and it would produce something higher. But the, the highest natural release of dopamine is through sexual contact or the anticipation of sexual contact, right? There's a an event or a a practice called edging, and this edging is is where you may have experienced it. Is it's 
talking about pornography anyway. It's where a person would, would find a video and they would watch that video until the point where it's boring and then as soon as it's beginning to get boring, they move to another video and another video and another video and another and it's and it keeps on going and it keeps moving and it's it's like they're edging along that satisfaction point, but not quite there. And a lot of times people describe it as, well, they're just going ahead and, and going in ahead and finishing out of pure exhaustion at this point, if it's bad enough. Uh, it, it can be uh, very, uh, very detrimental as far as the length of time. There's, there's stories and accounts of people talking about edging on pornography for hours and hours on end uh, before finally finishing in a... Uh, I guess a, a rather untriumphant way uh, in exhaustion and whatever it may be. It's very interesting to me that that our brains do that. Um, we, we A lot of times we don't even realize what we're doing. We're seeking out that dopamine. We're seeking out that, that, that anticipation of satisfaction. I always thought I kind of wanted the satisfaction, but I, as, I, as I studied this, I realized that... that I, I didn't. Shout out to Nukes. I'm not sponsored, but Nukes cups make great cups. Big cups. Anyways, we always save our cups. I'm sure you all do that as well. <laughs> um, let's go back to it. So the Coolidge effect. The Coolidge effect, it's... Um, I'm not going to talk about why it's named. Coolidge effect is is named after President Coolidge, and it's it comes from a story uh, that was told about him and his wife. But the whole what it is 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 there's a uh, a mouse or a rat, whatever you want to choose. A rat, a male rat and a female rat is put in a cage, and the male rat, he sees the female who's receptive to him, and he begins to copulate with her, and he will do so multiple times, but as he goes, it gets, the rat loses his, his motivation, he loses his, his desire for her, and eventually he'll actually, within a few minutes to an hour or so, I don't know the time exactly, he'll become completely disinterested in her. But all you got to do is immediately, as soon as you notice him disinterested in that mouse, the female that's there, go ahead and, put, and introduce a brand new female, and, and you will find that he completely revives into a brand new man, per se, and, and he begins to uh, attempt at copulation at this mouse again, and, and he will, a few times, and however long, and he gets bored with her, and you could do this over and over and over, uh, theoretically, until the mouse uh, dies of exhaustion or, or, or whatever. He will do this over and over. This is the Coolidge effect, and and, and we've found that to be kind of a commonplace among men who, who are viewing regular pornography in that they're 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 watching a video just kind of like that edging again it it, it kind of has to do with the same thing they're watching the video and 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 this gets to be uh, not exciting anymore and we've, we're realizing that we're losing uh, erection or whatever it may be um, we're not as stimulated as we were so we click to another video or maybe into a another genre even so maybe this maybe it's not even the, the specific video but maybe it's the the actual genre is no no longer any good so a new genre comes in a new porn star a new actress a new scene a new story whatever the case may be and this has to do with uh, the, the the new and and novel release of uh, of dope dopamine in the brain right and and a lot of times it ends up with a compilation i mean 
you that was not a thing a few years ago, and then all of a sudden, uh, I don't remember exactly when, but compilations became a thing, and, and you could literally sit there and watch the most exciting parts of videos uh, and never have to click, and it would just over and over and over again, it, 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 it fed the edging need so perfectly and and it was just like it was designed to do that and it was it was designed by by these these people who run these sites to work off of what men are really dealing with they they know the brain too right they understand how the brain works and then if we think about it it's it's so much it's a supernatural stimulus pornography is or at least the way we view pornography today uh, think about our ancestors and again Whatever you, if you believe in evolution, that's perfectly fine, I guess. But, but say you believe that our ancestors were, were were Neanderthals or cavemen, whatever you want to call them, and and do you think that they were able to copulate with many many partners? They probably weren't. They they were probably so excited by the one partner that they did have, or maybe the few instances that they were able to to see a, a partner. But it was very. They never experienced any sexual supernatural stimulus. That just wasn't in their in their lifestyle. And it goes even further than that. They didn't experience fast food or junk food. They didn't experience gambling machines, uh, video games. They didn't. They didn't have this. And and in my belief system, my my worldview is that, is that of a Christian. And that in the garden, uh, and even in up until well, I guess. 10 or 15 years ago, men didn't have these super, super enormous stimulus to deal with. We, we were pretty much with one woman for, for all of history, and other than Solomon, he might have had some super normal sim, uh, stimulus, but that's not what we're talking about. But they didn't have to deal with these things. We have so many things that we're, where we're, we're dealing with, with the super normal stimulus. Think about a bag of chips. If you were to drink a, a bag of chips, excuse me, if you were to eat a bag of chips and to drink a, a Mountain Dew per se, and, and then you had to turn around and at the same time receive the same amount of calories from beef jerky, how much beef jerky would you have to eat? And would it even be in, enjoyable to you? So, so that junk food, that Mountain Dew, that sweetness, that's a super normal stimulus that the body, the mind is not really designed to, to handle, right? Animals are even vulnerable to this. You can take you can take birds uh, such as the bluebird, which lays a beautiful blue egg, uh, but it's a tiny egg, and and then you can take and you can put another larger egg in the nest, and the mother will will essentially try to get rid of the small eggs because she wants to make this big egg. She wants to make sure that it goes, it grows, and it's it's born. Uh, it, it 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 happens. We we realize like. Or the bird is realizing that oh this is bigger. There's other occasions where uh, there's there's a, a video of a of a beetle trying to copulate with a bottle that's the same color as the beetle. It's it's a it's a glass bottle that's dark brown just like this beetle, and this beetle is trying his hardest to do what he thinks he should to this this bottle. He he's he's going off of his brains. Uh, the understand you know he doesn't have an understanding of what's going on he's just a beetle but he's doing what i guess what nature has designed him to do so what is addiction i think it's important you know if we're going to talk about addiction i want to first and foremost you have to decide whether you're addicted to something or not i think 
we have to give each other the information. We have to be supportive of each other. But when it comes down to it, you must be, uh, you must have an, or let me put it this way. You must have enough of a desire to get the information that you need to make an informed decision of, are, are you addicted or are you maybe just viewing as a recreation type thing? And I'm not really vouching for that. I'm just trying to understand. I'm trying to get us to understand that we must define addiction. Um, but it is it's a primary um, chronic disease of um, brain reward systems. Um, it's it has to do with motivation, memory, and and all that related circuitry. This means that addiction is a singular disorder, no matter what the object of that addiction might be, whether it be food, gambling, pornography, drugs, alcohol. Put whatever you want in there. But the the addiction part and the way addiction happens is essentially the same, regardless of of the substance, right? Um, there's the substance abuses, again, alcohol and drugs, but then there's behavioral addictions, which is gambling and pornography and, and other ones. But this is what it's characterized by. So if you're trying to figure out, am I addicted or am I not addicted, look for these, look for these types of things. So it's characterized by an inability to constant, excuse me, consistently abstain. Um, it has to do with impairment in, in your behavioral control, cravings, diminished uh, recognition of your own behavioral problems. So maybe you're, you're not even aware that you're doing these things. Um, and it also has to do a lot with a dysfunctional or maybe even non-existent emotional response. Uh, d- dysfunctional is very common. All addictions, they, they all demonstrate the same general brain changes that we can observe. Regardless, again, of what it is, we ha- it has to do with a lot of sensitization. Sexual conditioning, per se. And so what that means is, you're watching a pornography video, or, or you're, maybe you're growing up watching pornography, and, and what your, your, your brain is saying is, okay, I'm watching this happen, so this is how I must do it. Or I see that that is interesting, or she seems to like that, so I must do that. That's, that must be what women like. That's a, a sexual conditioning that pornography begins to do, right? Um, so the process of responding to the dopamine spike is, is, is reinforcing that behavior. When you, whenever you're watching or being sensitized to anything, regardless of what it is, again, your brain is responding and it's telling it and, and it's telling the system within you that, that what you're doing is rewarding. We get that hit of dopamine and, and it tells our brain this activity, what you're doing right now, that's really valuable and we should do that again. Which should be, which is normal with, with you know, sexual intercourse with a spouse. You, you should, you, your brain should do that, right? That should, it should, it should let your brain, your body and your system should know that, hey, that was good. Let's do that again sometime. That's exactly how it's spoke to work. But when they're super normal or extra, uh, stimulus, <laughs> you all know what I'm talking about, when there's more to it, 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 it overloads the brain system. Um, it would, you know, normally condition us to the normal processes that that would lead to sex. You know, the, the sound of your spouse's voice or the smell of her hair or something that she does, a way she does it, whatever. So these normal cues would, would lead us to believe that we might... You know, <laughs> anyways, 
Any, any, instead, a, a porn user conditions, uh, we're conditioning, we would be conditioning ourselves to, to other cues. And some of those cues it might be or are being home alone, for example. Uh, opening up a browser window. You, you go to your computer and you open up a window and, and the thought in the side of the mind or in the back of the mind, however you want to explain it, is, hey, hit, 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 hit incognito real quick. See what that does. And when you do that, it's on. Uh, Instagram Explore is probably a big one that some of you have dealt with. I dealt with it. That little explore side where there's no porn there necessarily, but there's some scantily clad women who are dancing and doing their thing. And, and, and again, social media, I'm probably going to have a whole podcast where I talk about social media. But um, internet sidebar ads say there's, and it's, it could be completely, you know, uh, har- seemingly harmless. You know, maybe, maybe you and your wife use the same computer and she has been recently searching for a bra on on some website where they sell bras and and it's all completely normal and 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 natural and it's something that might happen on your normal computer on your on your home computer and and you open that computer and you go to a browse you're going to check your facebook or maybe you're going to check one of your favorite websites your uh, podcast whatever and in the sidebar over there is this beautiful bra ad and this cue now now these 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 images are cueing you to to do something else, and it'll lead you down a path. That's that's how um, conditioning begins to work when it comes to pornography. Um, let's talk about uh, a comparison. So they, they did a comparison between healthy volunteers and, and compulsive brain users. In the brain, sex addiction looks the exact same as drug addiction. So some will tell you, well, drugs is... You know, it's really bad to do drugs, and, and we agree. We all agree and have a, a general consensus that drugs is bad, but a lot of people don't think that sexual addictions, pornography to be exact, or, or in this scenario, some would say, well, it's not the same. It's just like, you know, it's just like looking at a sunset or something. It's really not. When it comes to brain chemistry, the chemistry or what's exactly happened between a drug user and a compulsive porn user is exactly the same. The same deal is going on. And that has to do with, again, the neuroplasticity. It's, it's, it's the brain's ability to change and adapt as a result of experience. The drug user experiences something and his brain changes. The, the porn user experiences something different, but the brain changes in the same way, right? So anytime we, we go to a porn website and we, we, find ourselves uh, masturbating to pornography or whatever the case may be, it, it creates a new pathway. It creates a new uh, direction that we would generally go for this same thing again. It's weakening our old paths, and maybe our old path is whatever it was, and so the thing you would normally do begins to weaken, and now this new fun thing, um, it's beginning to be reinforced, and the the it's really found a lot in, in young men who, who get their first phone and they find out that they can look at pornography and they do it compulsively, regularly, on a regular basis as a young person and they, uh, it's, it, it causes a lot of changes in their brain, especially as a young person. The brain is, is changing and growing anyway. Um, and these pathways, are they're competitive. 
it's there's only basically if you can think of it like this there's only a certain amount of space for pathways in the brain and and you've only got a, a limited amount and and the ones that use the most are going to stay and the ones that use that we use the least of they're going to begin to fade away it's, it's exactly like a memory um, visualize you know the, the 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 pathways of porn use and and real sex one will begin to diminish while the other gets stronger it's going to whichever one you use most of it's going to be the stronger um, and, and here's the next problem is a real sexual encounter. It doesn't contain any of the cues that would normally cause, you know, uh, someone excitement or arousal. You know, it's not if you're if you're addicted to pornography, you know, you're never going to with a real partner. You're never going to get unlimited novelty. You're never going to get those same positions, the, the, the voyeuristic control. You're never going to get the sights and sounds. Again, we talked about that in one of the later earlier podcasts. You know, pornography is perfect. It has no problems, right? We we don't see all the problems that are that are being caused. Uh, so so the real sexual encounter can't it can't match up or can't meet up to the standards of of the the, the porn video. It just how can it? It's completely different. And so six percent of subjects in in a, a number of studies, men under forty had have now. Uh, porn-induced uh, erectile dysfunction or low libido for toward or towards their partners, and essentially what that means is that the pornography is causing them to lose interest in their partner. The pathway of pornography is beaten down regularly, while the pathway of of natural sex with the spouse is not as as regularly is not as regular, and so uh, one begins to grow over the other. So we talked about that's all about sensitization. We're all we're being sensitized to enjoy certain things, and again, when it comes to escalation, you'll find yourself enjoying something that you never thought you would. The opposite side of that is desensitization. So addicts are are sensitized to their addiction, while everything else is desensitized, right? And it, and it works exactly like that. You're sensitized to desire pornography if you're watching on a regular basis. And you're desensitized, or you decide your your brain is telling you that hey, real sex is not as desirable, and that'll happen. It's scary, and it it does happen. It's a it's a regular thing that happens with 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 um, more than occasional use. So so to understand how this happens, how do the neurons communicate? We got to understand the brain and, and what's actually happened. So, so a neuron it releases a signal in the form of a chemical called dopamine. We've already talked about it a little bit, and it goes across the gap from. Let's use this microphone as the as the as the neuron, and it goes across the gap over here to my hand, and they and it and it attaches. It goes into a receptor over here, and and, and that receives it, and it understands that something's going on. Something exciting is happening. Um, a decline in any portion of this chain can lead to a weaker message. So, again, the pornography is causing a really, really strong burst of dopamine to go because it's super, uh, it's super stimulus. While the now that the sexual intercourse with our with the spouse or whatever is is not as powerful, and so it's beginning to be desensitized. And so what happens when we, we overstimulate this system? So if somebody is next to your ear here and they are screaming at you at the top of their lungs, they're screaming every word they say, what do you do? Well, naturally, you cover your ears. You might tell them to hush, but 
probably gonna cover your ears. Hey, that's too loud. Why are you doing that? You know. And so, so what happens is you're protecting yourself from overstimulation. You, you, you're realizing, ow, that hurts. That's too loud, and you begin to protect yourself. It's, a, it's a, it's almost, it's, 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 it's as if it's ingrained into our system. We'll do it automatically. Well, overstimulation of the neural system, the neural system, these transmitters, these, the, the dopamine receptors, and all that, it, it protects itself. And so what it does is it, it reduces the availability of dopamine in the beginning. Uh, in the very beginning, the amount that's actually created, you've, you've used more of it, so it's not going to create as much. Uh, and, and then also it reduces receptors. And all of this has to do with what's called gray matter, the gray matter of your brain, the, the space of the brain that, that actually is taken up will actually begin to shrink because of this reducing of, of the chemicals. And so somebody who is a um, who is a an alcoholic who drinks on a regular basis, they're going to have more uh, excuse me less gray matter in the brain than somebody else who is not an addicted alcoholic. Um, then there's the th- the thoughts of tolerance, right? Tolerance, and we've heard about it with drugs for years. They've always said, well. You know, if you st- if you do it once, you're gonna need more of it the next time, and then more of it, and more of it, and before you know it, that's why people are overdosing. It's because the small amounts that they begin with don't even work anymore. I've experienced that personally. I lived a life uh, before I got in church of, of alcohol and drugs, and and you really see it as you once you get clean, you begin to understand. Wow, that's exactly what happens. For example, a person who begins drinking, the first time they got drunk, it probably didn't take but a couple beers. They had a buzz and a six-pack in. They were, they were falling over drunk. You know, at the end of my personal drinking stint, I could drink 24 a day and, and really, I mean, I was getting pretty drunk. But the deal was it took so much more. I, I, rem- I, I remember that process happening. I spent more and more and more time drinking just to get that same level of buzz. Um, drugs, it, it really has to do with you know much more and more quality. It, it, it's a, there's a lot of things that go along into that. But porn, it, it, again, it has the same scenario, right? And we talked about escalation a little bit. So in the beginning, porn, you could probably get off to something pretty simple, but as you get used to that, that's no longer any good. And now you got to find yourself moving into into some into the more um, dangerous situations. You know, even into child pornography, that's a big thing these days. People don't want to talk about it, but it is. And that's what escalation does. Escalation can quickly do that to you. And it might take years. It's not something, you know, if you started watching porn last week, you're probably not going to find yourself in bestiality next week, but you probably would in a couple of years if you don't get a handle on this. And you can say you can sit around and say, well, I would never, and I would da 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 da, whatever. However you want to do it, you know. Nobody ever said they'd be an alcoholic, and nobody ever said they'd be a drug addict, and things like that. That's just the way it works. The brain does that to us. Um. Anyways, let's talk about uh, hyperfrontality. So hyperfrontality is is a part essentially a brain uh, disorder hypo meanings uh, below normal or deficient in something and frontal refers to the frontal lobes of the brain uh, the prefrontal prefrontal cortex the 
the intelligent part of our brain, per se. It deals with these things. I'm going to read this list here uh, quickly. Planning, attention, judgment, reflection, prioritizing, self-control, anticipation, organization, impulse control, second thoughts, modulation, modulation of mood, response, flexibility, goal-directed behaviors, and the prediction of consequences. And so somebody with hypofrontality uh, or a problem with that uh, because of addictions, they, they decided to get on a diet, for example. This person, they, they've, they've got on a diet and, and they're knowing, and their diet, maybe it's ordered by the doctor because of diabetes or something. So they, now they understand that, that, uh, that they need to cut down on their sugar, but because of their lack of self-control and lack of anticipation, all the things that not understanding what's going to happen maybe, or maybe not even caring, they eat a piece of cake and find themselves with, uh, with their sugar out of control. Um, I'm not saying that everybody diabetic, diabetic that has, a, you know, eats some cake is, is, is having a deficiency in, in hypofrontal cortex. I'm just, I'm giving an example here that you would know, you, you know, in your mind and in your understanding that this is not a good idea to do it, but be, because of the, you know, you can't predict the consequences or your impulse control being deficient, you, you make that choice. And so, so the more porn that somebody uses, the worse or, or the weaker the connection between the reward circuit and the prefrontal cortex. It, it kind of goes hand in hand. It, there's an altered stress response, right? And so the brain of a porn user is trained to seek out something that makes it feel better. That's every time you, you're, you generally, when you're going to look at porn, you're looking to have a release or to feel better about something, whether it be stress or loneliness, whatever, put that in, put your, your deal in there. But, but, but that's what's happening. You're, you're, you're seeking that. But so there's an altered stress response and, and, and now you're training your brain almost unconsciously to seek out a dopamine response. The brain, it knows that there's always one thing that makes it feel better. And so when you have a negative emotion or you have a bad day at work or you find yourself alone or you're stressed about finances or whatever the case may be, your, your brain is telling you, go back to pornography. Go back to porn. It'll make you feel better. It'll fix all your problems. It's going to be great and awesome. And, and this is what's going on in the brain, right? Cravings. It's exact. It's a craving. That's what happens. So when we when we when we quit, when we make the choice to quit, regardless of what that reason is, maybe you've decided to quit because you've recently found the Lord and gotten saved and and been filled with the Holy Ghost, and the Lord is convicting you about your porn use, and that's great. You should be convicted about your porn use, or or maybe you've just noticed the, some erectile dysfunction or or some any of the other uh, conditions that I've kind of mentioned. There's probably some more as well, but whatever the reason, when you quit or when you decide to quit, stress causes cravings. It's, it, and it activates the, the sensitized regions of your brain. And again, those pathways, they're really strong. You've, you've marched those pathways down so your body's like, hey, let's do that again. And so, and so then withdrawal can happen. And it does happen. It, it, it happens on a regular basis and it, it, it further activates the, the stress systems and it causes many of the withdrawal symptoms to begin with. So it's like a loop that, that we find ourselves in. And so this is what's happening. Your desensitized brain is saying, you know, I'm just not satisfied. I can't find anything. I feel bad. I'm, I'm stressed. I'm tired. 
uh, and, and what could I find to be satisfied by? And the sensitized part of your brain, the, the portion who's used to getting things that feel good, says, hey, hey, check it out. I know something that, that you need. I, I got, I've got the plan, but then, you know, your deficiencies in the, in, in hyperfrontality because of your addiction is, is, is calling out and saying to you, I know it's a bad idea, but I, I just can't stop you. What am I going to do? Right? So this is all going on in the mind. Then again, it's doing it in chemicals. I'm just giving it a little bit of, I guess, English. <laughs> I'm, I'm translating it in the best way that I know how. And so these altered stress circuits are, are screaming you know, for something that'll take the edge off. So we're left with someone who is, they're less able to control their their use of whatever substance. They're less able to foresee the consequences of using or relapsing or whatever the case may be. They, they can't understand the consequences of their behavior or maybe they, they've chosen to not care. And their addiction then reinforces itself. They find satisfaction, you know, and, and you don't even have to be addicted per se to experience brain changes. The moment you begin to look at pornography, the very first time your brain is, is being altered, minutely, yes, but it is being altered. And anybody who's ever, you know, watched a lot of pornography or maybe even a little bit of pornography, it's really hard to forget it's, it's really hard to forget the images and, and the things that, that you would have seen in those videos. It's, it's not something that just disappears after going away. Um, but there's hope because quitting, porn use, and again, this is an overtime thing. Some, some fellas get over their problems real quickly. Others have months or years that they might deal with things. But, but say you're dealing with erectile dysfunction, the studies show and real-world testimonials show that the moment a person chooses to to forego porn and they they're going to get rid of it and not deal with pornography anymore, and they're they're going to go through a at least a very uh, at a very minimum a stint of of, of no masturbation, uh, they will begin to see uh, very quickly within usually a number of weeks where where they begin to to recover, and again recovery is a the length of time. Uh, we can't just put it, well, it's going to be this or that, but usually pretty quickly. So I, I would give you hope that if you're seeing some of these things, if you're seeing, uh, you know, erectile dysfunction, or maybe you're starting to, to see that your spouse is not as interesting to you as she once was, and you're worried about that, and you should be, because it's important that you and your spouse have a, have a healthy sexual relationship. It, it, it does heal. Because of the same exact reasons that you found yourself in this problem, your brain is plastic. <laughs> Not really, but it, it has the ability to do it, to adapt and overcome. It has the ability to change. And so that's a good thing for us in this occasion. Now we want to get clean. We've decided, we've prayed, and, and we're going to get an accountability partner, and we're going to start talking to a friend about this, somebody who's going to uh, protect our, our, um, our, our information, somebody who's going to uh, be tough on us and, and be ready to, to work with us. It happens, it begins to change quickly. Those those pathways that were once beaten for pornography begin to grow up, and the the pathway for, um, you know, healthy sexual intercourse with your wife or your spouse, it begins to, you start beating that path down, and before you know it, things are improving. And, and, it, and again, it's not an overnight thing, but there is improvement. You'll notice it very quickly.
You'll notice it even in your emotions and, and your your confidence and your anxiety. A lot of things will begin to go away. People a lot of times are depressed and they go in to the doctor and they get on the depression, antidepressants, and, and really the antidepressant is only um, fixing the symptom. But what is the reason? What is the cause? And a lot of times for men, depression is caused by pornography. It's just hard to admit sometimes. We don't want to believe that that's, you know, would cause something like that. But it does. And, and again, I, as I mentioned in the beginning, this podcast is for men. We're talking about men. Uh, I don't know. I don't know enough about women to even begin. I'm not trying to keep you women out of it. So if there is a woman listening, uh, you can and often do develop many of the same un, unhealthy behaviors and symptoms as men men do. Uh, generally, it seems to take longer for a woman uh, to find themselves in, in this type of path, but regardless, it can happen. I have. Uh, bombarded you with a lot tonight, and this is only um, a scratching of the surface. I would recommend to you a book called Your Brain on Porn. I'm trying to find my, hold on, here's my copy. Forgive me, I should have that ready. Uh, Your Brain on Porn by Gary Wilson. This is an awesome book. Most of this information that I've just kind of read through um, and talked about is in this book to much greater detail. I would suggest that to you. Um, uh, I'm reading it for the second time, I think. Uh, because, again, sometimes you just got to reread some stuff. You know, I read it about a year ago, and I'm reading it again because it's just things I'm catching this time that I didn't catch the first time. So I would suggest that book to you. Uh, I hope that this podcast has been effective to you. I hope that you've learned something, that you've found some motivation uh to, to begin to change if you're dealing with this and, and motivation to continue if you're on the path to recovery. Um, if you have enjoyed this, I would urge you and, and I desire of you to please uh, follow us on, on Instagram and Facebook and things of that nature and keep up with us there. I, I'm doing a post uh, basically letting you know what's going on and, and how things are working. Um, and also I would, I would, ask you to consider Patreon. Patreon's a website where you can donate to this podcast and, and to help us improve and to do all the things or help me improve. I have this plan, and I'm just going to point it out where that chair is. I'm going to empty all that out, and I want to get a table. My chair. i got to get a new chair, too. I'm going to get a table and four microphones, and I'm going to have some friends come in here from time to time. I'm going to do some interviews and, and, and talk to people, and we're not always going to talk about this. Uh, I want this... To, to morph into to men like men's lifestyle and and motivation and things of that nature, um, I'm gonna have Christian men come in here and talk to you about being a Christian man. I think it's important that us men, you know, step up and rise to the occasion of being a Christian man and all that has for us. Um, I feel that I'm even lacking in some areas and I want to get I want to get better at that. So, anyways, again, if you if you would consider uh, supporting us, cons- consider uh, following us on Facebook and Instagram, and as far as platform goes, Spotify and I think about thirteen other podcasting platforms, as well as YouTube, we're available on all of those. I really do appreciate you listening. Please follow and subscribe, and and, and that way you can um, you can be notified when the next episode comes. All right, we'll see you.